And I'm at this point, I'm looking at what is United's cancellation policy, especially like this late into the flight. And all of a sudden, the hotel staff come up to us after I, I, I'd run back. I'm talking to Hannah. We're like, we're like, oh, shoot, we're about to miss a flight again. And we've missed a flight in the past, which once again, future story, we'll tell it later in this podcast, but we're kind of defeated here. The hotel driver comes up to us and he points at a mattress delivery truck and he goes, he like, and then he does the Google translate and it was, he will take you. And I was like, what? Like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, this guy pops out, this mattress delivery truck driver, uh, and he comes up to us and he says, Aeropuerto? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, let's go. And I was like, well, what is going on right now? And what's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Awesome MTB Podcast. Now, before we get into today's episode, do want to thank you guys a ton for the support on the last podcast. You guys have been incredible. We heard so many people reached out to Sean after hearing his story and were just uh, congratulating him and also telling him that they were stoked. And it was an awesome thing to see. And we also got a lot of positive feedback for you guys on the last episode. So once again, thank you guys so much. For this episode, it's a little bit different. We don't have a guest in this one because we want this thing to be a little bit more sustainable long-term when we're traveling. So there's gonna be episodes where we do have a guest. There's also gonna be episodes where we just solo tackle a topic. And today's episode, we tackle flying with your bike, traveling with your bike, some tips on traveling with your bike, and also some funny personal stories. We did recently release a YouTube video on our second YouTube channel, Awesome MTB, about how to travel with your bike. And this episode is more some follow-up stories. We have some really funny stories of traveling with our bikes, like that time that we bribed a mattress delivery truck driver to take us to the airport in Mexico, and the time that we completely missed our flight and I turned into a Karen in Thailand, and then also a few other personal stories that we figured you guys would get a kick out of. And honestly, you guys, thank you so much for the positive feedback on this thing. If you are enjoying this podcast, if you guys could take a second and rate it wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, it's kind of tough to figure out where to rate it. I, I struggled when I was trying to figure out how to actually rate a podcast. It should be on the top of the main uh, podcast profile, whatever platform you're listening to. And also you guys, if you have any recommendations or have any questions for future topics or future guests, feel free to get in touch with us. It's awesomemtbtips at gmail.com. And yeah, just a cool way for us to connect with you guys and also try to figure out what you guys want to listen to. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for the positive feedback. And with that being said, here is episode number two of the Awesome MTB podcast. Let's get into it. Now, before we jump into this thing, I do wanna give some updates on where we are. Currently, we're in Louisville, Kentucky, and the reason that we're here is because our van is in the final stages of getting worked on. Super pumped for this project to be over. We have been working on this van build for, I wanna say, almost a year now, if not over a year, and it's one of those things that if you have a van build, you know the van build is never over. It always feels like there's something that needs to be done to it. However, it feels like we're getting pretty close to the finish line as far as the build goes. So the van is getting worked on in Cincinnati, Ohio. We have an Airbnb here in Louisville, Kentucky in a questionable neighborhood. Now, when we booked this place, this place definitely had a lot of really good reviews and we probably wouldn't have thought much uh, of it. However, when our friends, when they found out we had an Airbnb here, uh, asked us what part of town we were staying in and we showed them the address, it was one of those things that all of their faces kind of seemed like, kind of like, uh, like you, you could tell there was definitely an expression change when we brought up the area we were staying in. Uh, also something that was a very common is a lot of them responded with, you don't have your van with you, do you? And anytime someone, multiple people say the same exact thing, you definitely are like, ah, what's going on here? So I guess uh, this may or may not be a bad part of town. Honestly, it doesn't feel too bad. However, every time that we kind of get like a little bit confident, like, hey, let's go walk around the neighborhood, go for a long walk. Uh, we'll call a friend and he'll be like, where are you guys staying? And when, <laughs> Earlier today, we were on the phone with someone and when we told them uh, the area that we're at, they're like, oh, you, you might be getting close to this one street, but you're not, you're not on it, so you should be fine. And then we realized we're actually on that street. 
Uh, and he's like, oh, well, maybe you should just kind of uh, just, just hang around the house or something like that. So anytime multiple people are telling you the same thing, maybe it's time to trust your gut. Even though for us, it's one of those things that, I mean, we've gone to Mexico a bunch and we really do love traveling in Mexico. And that's a place where a lot of people, when we tell them that we are going to Mexico, they get a little bit concerned for us. And every time we've been there, we've had nothing but great experiences. Obviously, we do know that stuff does happen. But so we always take what people say with a grain of salt. However, if a lot of people are saying literally the exact same thing, maybe it's time to listen to them. As of recording this podcast, everything has gone smoothly. We will fill you in when we are done and checked out of this place. All right, you guys will know if this podcast doesn't come up, then maybe it was a sketchy neighborhood. Uh, if the, I'm just joking. Nothing like that is going to happen. But yeah, so we're in Louisville, Kentucky. As soon as the van build is done, we will actually be making our way to the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. And the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival is definitely, I personally think, the best mountain bike festival currently in the United States. I can't speak to the rest of the world because I actually do hear that there's some really awesome bike festivals in the rest of the world, including one that we want to try to get to. It's actually called Garda Fest and it's in Italy. And we've been told that's actually way better than any festival in the US. So really excited and hopefully we'll have that ability to go to Italy. We're shooting to go to Europe like around April if that was to happen to check out Gardafest and then see a couple of other countries out there like Spain, uh, possibly Germany, maybe France, Switzerland possibly, I'm, but I'm, I'm jumping ahead. So going back to the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival, it really does feel like it's that festival that's for the mountain biker. I feel like sometimes festivals uh, get lost in the sauce and uh, they end up catering a little bit too much to bike companies. Obviously you want it to be um, something that's beneficial for a bike company or else bike companies wouldn't want to pay to sponsor the festival and this festival won't have the funding. So yeah, it's definitely one of those things that you definitely want to be beneficial to bike companies. However, I feel like certain festivals, talking specifically about like something like Sea Otter, I feel like Sea Otter caters a little bit too much towards the companies and less so the uh, people visiting the festival, like the mountain bikers, which it makes sense. That's actually a trade show or start off as a trade show. The Sedona Mountain Bike Festival is definitely one of those festivals that, man, I just feel like they cater so much to the everyday rider. And it kind of feels like they kind of tell companies, hey, listen, this is how it's gonna be. We want the, the everyday rider to be stoked. And they just make it more about the rider. And that's what I feel like makes it such an enjoyable event. You see riders of all uh, skill abilities. And once again, you guys, it is a, an amazing time. And if you ever wanted to take like one mountain bike trip a year, I feel like the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival is a great trip because you can go there. They have shuttles every day to a different zone so you can get a lot of riding in. There's so many mountain bikers out there that if you were worried about getting lost on the trails, you could always just follow the group ahead of you or tag along to the group behind you. And yeah, it's just one of those times where I feel like it's a really good all do everything festival. You can demo a bike or you can just go there for the riding. There's good food. There's beer if you're into that scene. Uh, the only uh, troubling thing is that uh, it does get a little bit pricey for accommodations that time of year because Sedona is a relatively smaller town and so many people are coming into it. So you may notice that uh, hotel prices might be up around that time of year, but you can always figure out camping situations. And yeah, really excited that after this, we will be heading to the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. Now for the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival, we won't be flying. Obviously we'll be driving to that, assuming our van build will be done. However, we do have a lot of other plans to fly with our bikes this year. We, like I said, have flown a ton last year and we wanna continue that. We wanna go to those bike festivals in Europe. We want to also do a lot more traveling to South America. Uh, we do really wanna see Peru. We wanna to go to Argentina. We wanna go back to Mexico. Mexico. There's all these other places and obviously for those we will be flying with our bikes. Once again you guys flying with your bikes is definitely a lot easier than people think and we actually did recently release that video on our second YouTube channel. It's Awesome MTB. And that is where we cover tips on how to fly with your bike. I'm not gonna get too into the details in here in this podcast, we'll just kind of give you uh, a couple of nice tips that we have, and then we'll go into the stories, all of our crazy stories. However, I do want to touch on a few things if you haven't seen that YouTube video. The most common misconception with flying with your bike is that it's gonna cost you an arm and a leg, and that is simply not true anymore. 
I would say if you do your research and planning ahead of time and you follow the rules, a lot of times you can fly with your bike I would say for as low as $30, if not completely free, if your uh, bag is included with your plane ticket. So for instance, when we flew to Asia, we actually had the option to fly with four bikes, two each, uh, at no extra cost whatsoever. So that would have been $0. And that would have been a full size bike bag, like an Evoc. And I know that sounds crazy, flying with your bike to Asia for no extra cost. Uh, most of the time when we fly domestically as well as to Mexico, we actually only pay $30 when we fly with United. It's a standard checked bag. And once again, you guys, you just have to do your research. There's some airlines out there uh, when you are looking to fly with your bike. So the first thing you should probably be looking at when you are gonna about take a trip is I know everyone gets caught up in the price of a plane ticket and I mean that's completely that's a completely good thing to do because we do that a lot. You want to see, make sure you're not overpaying for your plane ticket. However, if you end up going with a budget airline, which I feel like a lot of people, sometimes it's like their first option is, oh hey, like let me fly a, a more budget. I'm going to save so much money with this budget airline ticket. That works completely and if we did not have bikes, we would be on Spirit every single flight. However, when it comes to flying with a bike, they are definitely not bike friendly and a lot of those budget airlines are not bike friendly. And what ends up happening is long term, you end up overpaying and paying way more for the trip than if you had picked a, a, a ticket that is a little bit more expensive upfront, but you end up saving so much money long term. And those are going to be airlines like United, like Delta, like Alaska Airlines, because they will actually allow you to bring a bike and they'll waive the oversized fee as well as the specialty item fee. And all you'll be paying is just a standard check bag, which normally is about $30. And $30 to fly with your bike to somewhere like Mexico or Costa Rica, uh, $30 to bring your bike with you one way is insane. It's gonna save you so much money because you're not gonna have to rent a bike and then you're also gonna have your personal bike there. So uh, how do you do that? Do your research, see if a company is going to weigh the oversized fee and then also the specialty item. Now the specialty item, that's just bringing a bike. Some of these airlines used to charge an arm and a leg and some companies still do. Like I said, Spirit or Frontier or even Aero Mexico. So uh, when you're flying to Mexico, I know they like to charge $150, I mean, minimum for you to fly with your bike to bring your bike on, which is pretty crazy because that's $300 round trip. And if you have two people, that's $600. Um, however, if you do a little bit more research and you look at a company like Viva Aerobus or United for that same flight, uh, you're only gonna be paying a standard check bag, $30. So 30 round trip would be $60 uh, for two people, 120. So now you're looking at 120 versus 600. So even if Aero Mexico had the cheaper flight originally, now all of a sudden you're talking about a price difference of $480 and $480 is a lot of money. That's a lot of money that could be spent on whether it's a tour guide or whether it's extra time there or a nicer hotel. So yeah, always do your research to see if they'll waive the oversized fee as well as the specialty item fee. Talking specifically about the oversized fee, this is where it's gonna come into the bag you use. So uh, most people are probably gonna wanna fly with like an Evoc bike bag or a Dekine bike bag. And once again, you guys, we go into more details on this in the YouTube video. However, I would say most airlines now are waiving the oversized fee and that's gonna be essentially an Evoc bike bag. An Evoc bike bag, when, when airlines are showing the dimensions they allow you to bring on, Basically the number they're giving you, they'll say like your bag must be less than 115 inches. And where they're coming up with this number is you wanna take the width plus the length plus the height of these bags. Uh, back in the day, they basically would say, oh yeah, we're a bike friendly airline. Uh, you just have to uh, make it a standard check bag, which was, I wanna say they used to have like around 65 inches or 70 inches. So the, the uh, width plus the height plus the length had to be like less than 65 or whatever it was for the standard check bags. Now that's not a bike friendly airline. That, it, there's no way you're gonna get your bike into essentially a standard suitcase. 
Uh, and that's why we actually ended up in the past, if you pay attention to the first time we started flying, we would use these Oru case bags. And the reason we would use these Oru case bags is because those actually were so close to the dimensions of a standard check bag that we're like, oh, this is perfect. And we got away with having it the right size. And then companies would waive the uh, specialty item because they want to be considered a bike friendly airline. However, once again, you guys, those Oru case bags, we really did love them. However, it was a pain to completely disassemble our bike every time. And we definitely wish that we were able to use a standard Evoc bag. Um, so nowadays, a lot of these companies have realized that people are kind of catching on and that doesn't really make it bike friendly to uh, waive the specialty item, however, have it so that you have to fit your bike in a standard suitcase. So they're also waiving the oversized item for bicycles. Uh, and those are those bike friendly airlines like United. So now you can bring bikes, I wanna say the max is about 115 inches, linear inches, I believe is the measurements what they're calling it. Um, an Evoc bike bag, if you add those dimensions, normally comes out to about 103 inches. So that will actually make that size. And yeah, so you can go with like a standard Evoc bag or a Dekine bag or whatever bag you wanna go in that category. The only thing you have to make sure of is it's gonna make weight, which typically tends to be about 50 pounds. And we'll talk more about some uh, like hacks here later on in this podcast and also in that YouTube video. But yeah, as long as you get a bike bag and you make weight 50 pounds and you're flying with a bike friendly airline, you should be able to find most flights around, I would say $30 to fly with your bike one way, if not free, which is pretty insane. And that's why when people say that they would love to fly with their bike, but they're worried about the cost, it really isn't that bad. And if you guys ever had any questions on this, feel free to reach out to us, whether it's our Instagram or our website or send us an email and we'll definitely try to help out a little bit. But yeah, it's definitely gone a lot more affordable to fly with your bike. And then the other thing is, is when you get to these destinations, just having your personal bike makes everything so much easier. So yeah, we definitely recommend flying with your bike. However, it's not gonna be all smooth sailing. And one of the, the, the toughest thing, and actually I would say for a company like Orucase, they still have the advantage of, I mean, they're smaller, bike bag as opposed to like the Evoc bag because the Oro case is basically half the size of an Evoc bag. One of the issues you're going to run into when you go to these foreign countries is for whatever reason, cars get a lot smaller when you leave the US. Like a standard SUV in the US is definitely a lot bigger than a standard SUV in South America or in uh, Asia. Asia for sure, the cars get a lot smaller over there. And what you end up happening is it ends up being tough to squeeze these big Evoc bike bags into these SUVs, especially if you have a partner or you're flying with a friend and you have two bike bags and then throw in surfboards and then it's a whole complete mess. And this is gonna lead us into our first funny story, which is when we had to bribe a mattress delivery truck driver to take us to the airport in Mexico. So in Mexico, one thing you need to realize is if you have not paid for something, sometimes it's not guaranteed. Like just because you have like a reservation or a uh, like an appointment, that taxi driver may not show up. So we were basically staying uh, right next to Desierto de Leones, an amazing place to ride mountain bikes in Mexico. Can't recommend that place enough. And we really do love riding out there. The riding is awesome. However, it is a little bit of a distance, a little bit of a drive from the main city as well as the airport. And because of that, it's really tough to get like those Uber XLs to come to you, especially where we were staying. Uh, so we, the night before we're like, shoot, how are we going to get to this airport? We talked to the, uh, hotel or the, um, it's the place we were staying was more of like a, a resident apartment complex. However, you had staff on hand 24 seven. We talked to them. We said, we need a taxi grande for the aeropuerto. They said, no problem. They said, you're totally fine. And we were like, man, everyone's so friendly here. This, this taxi is gonna be here. They said, what time do you want? They wrote it down in a notebook. And we were like, how much more official is it get than writing down they need a taxi in a notebook? And so we thought we were good to go. We wake up, we're a little bit nervous. However, we talk to them again. They say, no problemo. We're totally good. We go, we get uh, lunch and we're kind of saying a little bit nervous, but we're also like, hey, he said, no problem. We're totally cool. And we also have a backup plan. Worst comes to worst, we have the number of another taxi service that's gonna take us there. 
we show up back to the hotel, we get all of our stuff and bring it down to the hotel. And this, we were actually flying with two bikes, so one mountain bike each, and we also had our surfboard, so a big old longboard. The longboard we knew was gonna be the problem. You can typically squeeze that bike bag into a car, worst comes worst, get too taxi. However, our longboards are definitely a little bit on the bigger side and all that stuff combined, like two bike bags and surfboards definitely starts to become an issue. Uh, and we were waiting, waiting, waiting. We're seeing nothing, no one is coming. We talked to the hotel staff and it does not look like no problem anymore. It looks like, what are you guys talking about? They, it sounds like, it, it almost seems like they had never seen us before. They are very confused. They have no idea what we're saying. And we said, what happened to no problema? What happened to the notebook? Let's figure this out. We still have a little bit of time for our flight. We did this a little bit earlier because we had a feeling we would run into issues. And then they started reassuring us. They said, hey, no problem, we're no problemo, we will find you a ride. And we said, taxi grande. And they said, no, 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 yeah, taxi grande, no problemo, no problemo. And we're going back and forth, we're waiting five minutes, 10 minutes, no taxi has arrived. Now, we're starting to panic a little bit here. We still have a phone number for a taxi. We have some friends locally, we call our friends. And they're like, hey, we're all out of town. It was one of those weekends where there was a lot going on. There was a race, there was an event. And maybe if we had coordinated with a friend, they could have taken us. However, everyone was out of town. I know our buddy with the truck was actually visiting his family in the next uh, province or next state over. So he wasn't around. Our other friends were in Oaxaca. And yeah, it was just one of those. And it was also our first trip to Mexico City. We had only been there a week. I feel like now we've been there for so long, we have so many friends. Maybe it wouldn't be a problem this time. Hopefully we can ask one of our friends. However, this time we are, man, we're like, this is gonna be an issue. So we're, we're waiting outside the hotel and the hotel lobby is kind of laughing at us a little bit at this point, which is definitely adding to that frustration. Hannah's panicking a little bit. And I'm like, hey, Hannah, just stand here. I'm going into panic mode. I'm basically like, okay, what's the next solution? I don't like just kind of waiting around, sticking around for solutions. So I'm like, I'm gonna run around the city and see if I can't find like a taxi service or a van or something like that. And so I'm running around, I'm waving people down. And the problem in Mexico is it's definitely, you definitely don't wanna just kind of give a random person a ride, especially if you don't know them and they look crazy like me. So no one was really giving me the time of day. I also speak, or at that time, I spoke very little Spanish. So the communication definitely wasn't there. And then Hannah calls me and she goes, Mo, we are good. She spoke to the, ta or the hotel, they said, Taxi, grande, on the way, no problemo. They're communicating via Google uh, Translate. And I'm like, oh, are you sure you want me to come back? She goes, yeah, he's like, he's guaranteeing me that this taxi is showing up. So I run back to the hotel, cause I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, thank God, like this is actually gonna work out. And I get back and then I'm standing next to Hannah. Let me tell you, taxi grande, we are, talking taxi Paquito, like the, <laughs> the smallest taxi I have ever seen. You have this Toyota Corolla, and I am not trying to talk bad about the Toyota Corolla. It is an amazing car. It is a very reliable car. But the one thing that the Toyota Corolla is not is a taxi grande. It is not a taxi grande, it is a taxi Paquito. There is no way, I look at this thing, it pulls in, it doesn't have a taxi sign. I think this guy, cause we, we also had started to tell them, we're like, hey, 1000 pesos if someone drives us to the airport. Cause we were quoted 300 pesos to take us to the airport. And I'm like, let's just step it up 1000, like, please, can someone take us for 1000, which is approximately like 50 US dollars, which I thought was totally fair to take us to the airport. The airport was about an hour drive away. But, and it's also one of those situations where I'm ready to, and I would have, I feel like I would have paid more, but literally all we had at that point, cause we were at the end of about three months trip to Mexico. Literally all I had was that thousand pesos. And uh, yeah, the, the taxi, the Toyota Corolla, the taxi grande pulls in and he looks at us and he looks at, and he goes, no problem. And I said, no, bro, this is gonna be a problem. And 
I'm like, there's no way. I was like, he's going to look at us and he's going to realize this is a problem, but he just felt so confident. And that's when I told Hannah, I said, I gotta keep running because we gotta figure this out. We're cutting it close now. We had given ourselves about a four hour window to our flight. And if you don't know, this is a good tip for you guys. Always try to show up to the airport at least two hours before your flight, just so you can get through TSA and check in your bike bags and all that stuff. And that'll go into a later story and when we missed our flight entirely, uh, when we were flying once in Thailand, but sticking to this story. So the, the, the Taxi Grande, uh, he's there, I just take off. I'm like, okay, I gotta figure this out. I'm running from store to store. I'm saying 1,000 pesos, aeropuerto, uh, suitcase grande. And, and now I would know, uh, yo, 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 tiene, yo tengo uh, maleta grande is what I would say now. Cause I've been taking Duolingo and I'm on a 50 day streak. Back then, my Spanish was nowhere there. And I was also panicking. Uh, Hannah calls me, I'm thinking that Taxi Paquito has taken off. She calls me, he goes, Mo, you're, he thinks he can make this work. And I'm like, in what universe? This taxi driver with a Toyota Corolla, maybe he just really wanted a thousand pesos or I don't know what it was, maybe he was being friendly. He literally thought he was gonna get two of our Evoc bike bags and our nine foot long long board and seven six hybrid. I think we had two boards in that bag at the time and two people into the Toyota Corolla. And when I asked her, how does he think that's gonna work? She said that he's saying we can just put all of the bags on the roof and we can just hold it. Cause he didn't have straps. So we were going to hold the bike bags all the way to the airport was what he thought was gonna be the solution. Now, obviously that was not gonna be the solution. And she said that he was there for a good 20 minutes trying to get the bike back to fit into the taxi. It wasn't happening. And she said, we can't hold all that stuff on the roof in our drive in Mexico. So we're cutting it close. And I'm at this point, I'm looking at what is United's cancellation policy, especially like this late into the flight. And all of a sudden, the hotel staff come up to us after I, I'd, I'd run back. I'm talking to Hannah. We're like, we're like, oh shoot, we're about to miss a flight again. And we've missed a flight in the past, which once again, future story, we'll tell later in this podcast, but we're kind of defeated here. The hotel driver comes up to us and he points at a mattress delivery truck and he goes, he like, and then he does the Google translate and it was, he will take you. And I was like, what? Like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, this guy pops out, this mattress delivery truck driver, uh, and he comes up to us and he says, Aeropuerto? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, let's go. And I was like, well, what is going on right now? And so this guy takes the mattress delivery truck. I guess he had done a delivery there and he was done for the day and he found out that we really wanted to go to the airport. I, and I just, I was like, okay, let's just do this. The one thing that everyone in Mexico tells you not to do is to get into a stranger's car. It's the one rule. I feel like if there was one rule of Mexico is do not get into a stranger's car. We did not listen to that rule that day. I feel like we were, it's just something about this guy just felt, it felt like he was a good guy. And it was just one of those things where it's like, how fast can a mattress delivery truck actually drive off? Worst comes to worst, we're jumping out of this truck. We really need to make this flight. Looking back on it, was it the smartest move? No, gonna be completely real with you, but it's one of those times where sometimes you just kind of gotta trust your gut and we trusted the gut. So uh, all of a sudden, another guy pops up and I'm like, "Where? who's the other guy? And he goes like, mi amigo. And I guess that was his partner. And I'm like, where is his partner gonna? Cause if you've ever been in a, not like a delivery truck, there's only three seats up front and we're three people and we have all these like carry on bags and all that stuff. And he's saying uh, that his partner is gonna stay in the back. So he puts his partner in the back of this truck. That's definitely not vented. We stuff our bike bags and our surfboards in there. And then he's taking off to the airport. Uh, we're in traffic, man, it does not look like we're gonna make it. I'm looking at uh, the Google Maps and it is cutting it so close. And this guy, he is the friendliest. Honestly, you guys, if I had this company's mattress delivery truck driver, I next time we are in Mexico, if we ever do need to get anything delivered or anything, I need to hit this guy back up. 
he got us to the airport with literally two minutes to spare. And I say two minutes because number one, he wasn't actually able to go all the way to the drop-off because no one ever drops you off in a delivery truck and it actually didn't fit into where the uh, drop-offs were supposed to go. So he had to drop us off a little bit further off, but we get out. He is super stoked. I give him the thousand pesos. Actually on the way, we found even more pesos. So I wanna say we had like an extra 200 or 300. I give them a tip and we get out. Hannah has one bike bag and her carry-on. I have the longboard on one shoulder and I have my other bike bag on the other and we are sprinting through these airport. And I was so sure that I was going to pass out. I was in so much discomfort. I was wheezing. I, I mean, at this point we have, I mean, there's, there's the, the surfboards probably weigh 50 pounds. It's a 50 pound bike. I have my personal backpack on my back. Hannah has the carry-ons. We're sprinting to this airport. We're not sure if we're gonna make it. We get to the check-in counter. We literally have like 30 minutes until our flight takes off, we're like, there's no way. And this is where I wanna go back into that thing that traveling with your bike is actually uh, not as intimidating as some people make it out to be. When you're in these other countries, people are so friendly and so nice. And when we got to the front of this counter in Mexico, this lady was so sympathetic. She could see how tired and exhausted we were. And she was all like, no, no, no problem, no problem. We'll figure it out. We will figure it out. They actually took our bikes and she found like one of the uh, uh, tarmac people, basically the people that uh, work the, um, where the planes go. I'm completely blank on the world. Basically the, the grounds of the planes that they actually had the access to go there to do the, the bags, take the bags out there. She found one of them and she told him, take these bags to this plane because they had already sent all the bags and they personally delivered our bikes. And she said, run, run to TSA, you will make this flight. And honestly, you guys, every single time we're internationally, we just find so many good hearted people like that mattress delivery truck driver, like this air stewardess or airplane worker. Uh, they're just so friendly. And it also happens in the US as well. I feel like we found so many really awesome people in US airports that have been so kind to us. Now you're not always gonna experience this. So that was our Mexico story. Um, and we'll talk about that, uh, the military and the hunting equipment a little bit later on, but I wanna go to times where you might run to someone that's a little bit on the meaner side. And, and honestly, this was also a little bit our fault. So going back to our first trip uh, to Thailand, we had four bike bags. It was our first time traveling with bikes. And our first time traveling with bikes, obviously you don't really know all the rules. And we had flown to Bangkok, no issues. And then we had taken a train to Chiang Mai, no issues. And then it came time to go to a country, Brunei. We got invited to go ride out there. Brunei is an Islamic nation uh, right next to Indonesia and a really awesome kind of country that they're putting in a bunch of trails and they reached out to us. They wanted to come document their trails. So we said, yeah, and we just had to catch this connecting flight from Bangkok or from Chiang Mai to Bangkok to take a flight to Brunei. Now, once again, our first time flying, and this is, as you start traveling more with your bike, you'll learn these mistakes if you do happen to make them, or maybe you might watch our YouTube video or listen to this podcast and you'll realize these tips. I remember I caught a flight once domestically back in the US and I called my buddy to take me to the airport and he said, when do you wanna get there? I wasn't flying with the bike and I said, ah, can you like take me to the airport like an hour ahead of time? And he goes, dude, I, I think I said hour and a half. And he said, dude, you just gotta be there 45 minutes before your flight and you're totally fine. And I had just had that story in my head that, oh, you can just show up to flights that early. So uh, we left our apartment in Chiang Mai, like cutting it super close. I wanna say we left it with like an hour to go for our flight. And it was just supposed to be a five minute drive. We got stuck in traffic and we showed up to the airport about 40 minutes before our flight. And it was one of those things that we're like, oh, it's still like in that window. We just, I mean, 40 minutes is a lot of time. We can just kind of fly through this, get there, not realizing that the gate to check in your bike bags closes at least an hour sometimes before your flight takes off we needed to check in our bikes. So we're looking in the, the airport and all the, the check-in places are closed. 
And we're like, what, what is going on? So we go to the front desk and I asked the lady, I'm like, hey, like we're trying to check in our bikes. And she goes, you missed it. And I was like, oh, we, we can't have missed this because we need to catch this connecting flight and then we have to catch a flight to Brunei, a country that there's not many flights to every day. So we really need to make this connecting flight. Now, I was like, what do you mean we missed it? I go, is there any way, like we still have like 30 minutes until our flight. She goes, nope. And that was it. It was no. And then I go, is there like anything you can do? And then she just goes, nope. That was like the extent of that. And I go, is there really like, is there, there nothing like you can do whatsoever? And she goes, no, your fault. And I was like, oh my God, like, what do we do? We're panicking at this point. We have no idea what to do. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I know it's not your fault. And this, I definitely think was a Karen move on my part. I don't feel like this was necessarily, this is just one of those very, uh, very American things to do. Uh, I think I said, I go, Hey, listen, this isn't your fault, but is there any way I can talk to your manager? Cause I need to talk to someone that might be able to make this work. And she just, she just goes, no. And she laughs. And I was like, Whoa, what do you mean? No. And then the laugh. And what do you mean? I can't talk to your manager. You should be able to talk to the manager. I feel like people say that all the time in the U S you just, can I talk to your manager? There was no talking to this person's manager. And I said, Hey, listen, I, we really need to catch this flight. Is there anything else you can do? We're both freaking out. We have no idea what to do. And I go, can I please talk to your manager? And then she just kind of like nods her head and she takes out her cell phone and she calls someone and I'm like, we're getting somewhere. We're going to get on this flight. This is all going to be okay. And she's on, she's talking Thai. So I have no idea what she's saying. And then she just starts laughing. Like there is, there is, there is a very slim to none chance that her manager was on the other. I think she just called her friend or maybe it was the manager and the manager was laughing at us. And she just said, you are completely lost. Like that's, that's it. Now, in that case, we talked to the mountain bike tour company. They were able to sort things out with another connecting flight and a different flight to Brunei. And it was one of those learning lessons for us, especially when we're uh, traveling with bikes is just show up to the airport at the very least an hour and a half. I know it does suck. Sometimes two hours is even better, maybe even three hours. It sucks to be in the airport that early because sometimes it's smooth sailing and you can show up three hours early and then be into the airport within a few minutes. And then you're just stuck in the airport for like two and a half hours before your flight. That does suck, but let me tell you what sucks more is missing a flight. Cause I remember on the way to the airport that day in uh, Chiang Mai, I remember even telling Hannah, I go, man, how do people miss their flight? Like, do you just like intentionally like disregard the fact that you have a flight? Like I was just like talking so down upon people who miss flights and then we missed our flight. So yeah, that's one of those situations where it's not necessarily gonna be the same. Another situation where it's not necessarily gonna be the same is leniency. So uh, remember when I was telling you guys that your bag has to make weight and your bag does have to make weight in a lot of situations. Normally the weight limit for bikes is about 50 pounds. Uh, and it's not actually 50 pounds. It's actually 23 kilograms, which actually comes out to about 50, well, it comes out to 50 pounds. However, a lot of these companies, what I've started to realize is the scales have a trigger system when they basically alert them that the person has to pay more. I'm, I'm pretty sure it works this way. This is just based off of observation after taking all these flights. And I think what ends up happening is if it gets to 24 kilograms, then that sensor gets triggered for them. Now, 24 kilograms, so 23.9, it's not going to trigger the sensor. 23.9 actually comes out to about 52 pounds, a little over 52 pounds. So you do have a little bit of extra room to spare. And to be completely honest with you guys, if you're flying domestically, I'm not really going to name airlines here. However, we've flown with them a ton. We've actually flown with two of these people a ton. And I don't want to name it because I don't want to ruin it for them. They have been, especially in the US, so chill. We have gone to fly with our bike sometimes and man, they don't even question the weight. Like they're just all like, yeah, bring it over here. It's oversized. And they just ask, are the tires deflated? And we're like, yeah. And we just have tires are deflated. And they're just like, yeah, just bring it to the oversized. 
So we've definitely gotten with away, we've gotten with away with a lot in the US. We've also gotten away with a lot in Mexico. Mexico, man, there was one time where I wanna say we were a solid like six or eight pounds overweight. And I remember it looked like a, like a teenager working behind the counter and he was just, he made, he said like something at first when it was like 12 to 15 pounds overweight. So we took like one thing out and then he goes, ah, just, just kind of come on through. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely chill. It's very chill in Mexico. It's very chill here. The other thing with Mexico is when we fly with Viva Aerobus, which is our favorite airline in Mexico. So this also goes back to like doing your research. Aero Mexico, when you're taking an international flight, $150 to fly with your bike. Viva Aerobus, every time we've flown with them, we choose our bike as sporting goods and it's $30 and it's not only $30, but it's also a 70 pound weight limit. So you can fit so much more in there, which is why actually when we're going to Mexico from California, instead of flying directly, we've flown directly from uh, the US to Mexico, done an international flight. Sometimes what we actually like to do is we actually like to have uh, my parents drop us off at the Mexico border and we'll actually do the CBX crossing. The CBX crossing is a bridge near Tijuana and it basically takes you from America It'll take you, literally you just walk across this bridge, it's a little bit long of a walk, but it will take you directly into the Tijuana airport, which is awesome. The reason that's awesome is you can actually fly domestic prices at that point, because basically, as soon as you get into Tijuana's airport, you're flying domestically. So all you have to do is pay about, I wanna say it's $15 to take that bridge over to the other side. Another option for that is you can also get to the border of Mexico and actually just cross and then figure out how to get to the airport. You just take a taxi, which is a pretty, it's pretty safe from what we researched, but if you don't feel comfortable um, where we were uh, in California, it was right next to Tijuana. If you don't feel comfortable just going into Tijuana with all of your bags and then finding a taxi to take you to the airport, you can take that CBX crossing. Uh, in terms of the prices, once again, you guys, it's a domestic flight at that point, so the prices drop substantially. You don't find like you have to buy your tickets way in advance. So where if you were gonna take an international flight, you definitely should be buying your tickets about two to four weeks before your flight, definitely four weeks preferably. On those more domestic flights, and especially if you're taking a domestic flight in Mexico, the prices are already gonna be substantially cheaper to fly from like Tijuana to Mexico City, but also you're able to buy your tickets with a little bit more short notice. So say your, your trip is only a week out, uh, you can find like a ticket from LAX to Mexico City would probably be about like four to $500 at that point. And then that same flight from Tijuana, you're probably looking at $60. So that CBX crossing is gonna save you a lot more money there. And the other cool thing is you do get a 70 pound weight limit. So say you wanna fly with some extra things and you know your bike's not gonna make weight, taking that CBX crossing and then flying anywhere within Mexico, uh, there's just a, a lot of advantages there and which is why we definitely recommend that CBX crossing. But going back to the original point and the reason I brought all this stuff up is even though uh, flying to Mexico has been, the airlines have been super lenient, flying domestically within the US, airlines have been super lenient and very chill. This is not the same case for every country and I am specifically talking here with Asia is they are definitely, uh, they follow the rules, it seems like a lot more in Asia. Rules are very important to them. And we definitely found this out the hard way on our last trip. Uh, so essentially we were ready to go to Thailand and we had been flying so much within the US and within Mexico that I feel like we got a little bit more complacent. We definitely let our guards down. We, our bags were always somewhat overweight because we're like, you know what, everyone's been so chill. And it's one of those things that, I mean, if it happens time and time again, where people are chill and chill and chill, you, you relax a little bit. You're not really kind of on edge. This would definitely not be the case when we showed up for our last flight. So our last flight to Asia, we actually, we went with United. However, United had partnered with a Japanese airline and the Japanese airline was Anna, uh, Air Anna. And I believe uh, they're really big in Japan. Uh, they have a lot of flights like to Tokyo and then also within Asia as well. Uh, and when you do these, a lot of these airlines do partner with other airlines so they can kind of expand how many flights they offer. Uh, the thing is though, is even though you're booking a United flight, 
the flight rules are gonna be Air Anna. Now, when we looked into Anna, Anna also is a very uh, bike-friendly airline. They let you bring a bike on as a checked bag. They'll waive the specialty item and they also waive the oversize. So you just have to treat it like a standard checked bag. And they, once again, have a 23 kilogram weight limit. Now, where things get a little bit different is it being a Japanese airline, and uh, once again, you guys, in Asia, this is one thing we find every time we travel in Asia, is rules, it kind of felt like uh, in the US and in Mexico, like rules are there, but sometimes they're a little bit more, like you can kind of break some of the rules, and sometimes the airlines will also help you, like, oh, they'll turn a blind eye, and they're a little bit more relaxed. In Asia, it kind of feels like the rules are followed to a T. And when we showed up to our last flight, uh, we showed up to LAX with four big bike bags. Uh, as soon as we got there, it was one of those things where I look around and all of the airline attendants are looking at us. And I'm like, oh my God, this, <laughs> something is definitely going on right now. And then you kind of see them talking to each other and pointing at us. This is the, uh, the Anna uh, airline attendants. And they were, I was like, man, something is definitely going on. They're definitely talking about us. And I'm trying my best to like be as friendly as possible. And they're asking us all these questions about the bike bags. And then they come out, they take our bike bags and they bust out the tape measures. And I have never, that's when I first started to realize like, hey, we're kind of in trouble here, even though we, our bike bags were definitely a little bit overweight. And the reason they were overweight is because we had brought a lot of stuff that we wanted to give away to our friends in Thailand. And anytime we go to another country, we try to bring gifts for the locals uh, so that like if we ever meet someone cool or if we want to stoke out like the kids in a community, we can give away some glasses, we can give away some cool products. And uh, yeah, we always like to just kind of bring gifts wherever we go. So, uh, and once again, we had been traveling so much in the US and Mexico that we were definitely, our guard was completely down, which is why every bag was definitely overweight. And as soon as we saw the tape measures, I was like, this is gonna be a very long time. So lucky for us, our bags were the right size. However, we weren't completely sure at first because I mean, I've never had companies bring out the tape measure and they're writing all the measurements down and they are measuring every one of these bags. Even though all the bags look like kind of the same size, they are not like cutting any corners here. So they're measuring every bag and then they're like, they, they start weighing the bags and they're like, everything is overweight. And we're like, oh shoot, there, this is not gonna be chill. I'm like, uh, like what, how much should it be? And they're telling us like exactly how it should be. There is no rounding up. We have to get every bag close. And so we're taking the bags off. And you know, they were just doing their job and this isn't something that they were in the wrong. They're completely in the right. However, it was one of those things that uh, for so many flights kind of just waving us through saying like, it's okay, like it's totally fine. Or sometimes not even weighing our bags to all of a sudden having everything get weighed, everything get measured it really did kind of show you that you definitely don't want to let your guard down. And uh, yeah, so what we ended up doing in that situation is even though all four of our bags was overweight and we were freaking out, like we were like, oh my God, how much is this gonna cost? This is gonna be horrible. It's gonna be a nightmare. We're like getting ready to throw stuff away. Uh, and then we asked them, cause they were making such a big deal out of this whole thing. Uh, we asked them like, well, what, what happens if we can't get our bikes down? And they said, you're gonna have to pay the oversized fee uh, or the overweight fee. And we were like, how, how much is the overweight fee? And we're expecting the worst here. And they told us, well, it's going to be, you can go up to 30 kilograms, which I believe was 70 pounds. And they said, that's gonna cost you guys. And she's, they're looking through their books and they say 60 US dollars per bag. And we were like, whoa, that, that's, that's it. And I know $60 isn't a light amount. However, in the grand scheme of things, we're not paying to fly with any of these bikes, $60. And so we do the math. And this is where I, was, I wanna go into that whole stuff ends up working out with flying with your bike. There's always normally a solution. And we did the math and we're like, well, we're like calculating each bag was overweight, but some bags were only overweight a few pounds. And we're like, uh, why don't we just like combine? And this is when I credit to whoever was helping us out. They were like, hey, listen, how about you shuffle stuff from some bags and just like 
we bring one of the bags to overweight and just max out those overweight bags. And we ended up doing a lot of shuffling and we ended up paying for two overweight bags, which only came out to $120. And I would say flying with four mount or two mountain bikes, two gravel bikes, two Asia. So four bikes total and we only paid $120. It was the included bags for our flight. Uh, yeah, I say that was very fair. And then when we got to Asia, we ended up just giving away all the stuff that we meant to give away and also a few extra things. And we ended up only paying for one oversized bag on the way back. And so that was $60 to fly with four bikes back. Now, we probably could have even gotten that down even further. We could have just basically not paid anything. However, we would be uh, not bringing as many souvenirs back. We wanted to bring a lot of souvenirs back to the country. But it just goes to show you that flying with your bike definitely isn't gonna break the bank. However, do know that when you do go to these uh, different countries and different parts of the world, they will treat the rules differently. And then that's also another thing we noticed when we were in Asia and we were flying around Thailand, is there was never a, oh, just check your bag is oversized, we're not gonna weigh it uh, policy there. There was, they never really let us get away with the weight. However, when we did get to Asia, what we realized is it is a lot easier to transport your bike within Asia than it is to transport your bike within the US. So it almost seems like people in Asia fly with their bikes, as crazy as this sounds, it kind of seems like your normal everyday person is traveling with their bike a lot more frequently than someone in the US is. Cause I think, I mean, bike transportation is pretty big out there. And yeah, you definitely, it felt like people were, it wasn't even like people who are fully into road cycling or fully into mountain bike. It just kind of seemed like your average everyday person who maybe has a hybrid bike. Uh, would fly with their bike or would figure out how to transport their bike. There was just so many options. And actually in a lot of these cases, you didn't even need a bike back. So like some flights within Asia, they'll actually provide like some bubble wrap for you to basically put your bike in and fly with your bike within Asia. Uh, and the price to fly with your bike when you were in Asia is also substantially less than the US. So it almost seems like they're encouraging you to fly with your bike in Asia. Another hack we found, and huge shout out to our homie in Thailand, uh, we found this was a really cool thing, is that you could actually take your bike to the train station the day before your flight, and you can actually have them send your bike to wherever you want it to go. So when we were in Bangkok and we wanted to fly to Chiang Mai, we had four bikes we wanted to fly with. And rather than pay, it was only, I wanna say it was only about like 30 to $40 per bike. However, and we'll get into this in a little bit, that's not the toughest part about flying with a bike in Asia. It's also showing up to the airport, getting a ride to the airport. And a lot of times we ran into issues this, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, as far as the train station goes, is we were actually able to go to the train station the day before our flight and give them four of our mountain bikes. And the first time we did this, we did have our buddy who was a, he was our translator, because uh, we don't speak any Thai. Thai is a language that I've tried to learn and I think I spent like three to six months trying to teach myself Thai and I realized that even though I was trying to teach myself, it's such a, I believe the word is phonetics language, I'm probably butchered that, but basically if you don't get the tone right of certain words, people do not understand you whatsoever. So I spend three to six months teaching myself and then I start talking to my Thai friends and they're like, what are you saying? Like you are not making any sense yet. Yeah, that, that's besides the point, but we did have a translator the first time on our way from Chiang Mai to Bangkok when we did the same exact thing later on, we did not have a translator and we were able to figure it out as well. So it's pretty straightforward. You just go to the train station with your four bikes. They were in the bike bags and we had them stuffed, loaded up with all of our stuff. So we didn't even have to bring a, a carry-on onto the plane because we didn't want to have any extra baggage. And yeah, uh, they were able to send it from Bangkok to Chiang Mai, which is about a 12 hour train ride or about 600 miles, I believe so. Uh, and they were able to do that. We paid a grand total of about $4 per bike. So $16 total, which was insane. Because uh, $16 to uh, basically take four bikes from Bangkok to Chiang Mai, we caught our flight the next day from Bangkok to Chiang Mai. It's really easy to fly domestically in Thailand and in Asia in general. 
we caught our flight. We didn't have to pay for any extra bags. We didn't have any carry-ons. So we just showed up to the airport with our personal item, which was a backpack. And as soon as we got to Chiang Mai, we went to the train station, our bikes were there. And Thailand is such a safe country. Asia in general is such a safe country. You don't really have to worry about theft. And yeah, we just showed up, picked up our bikes and $16 to travel with four bikes via the train. So that's a cool hack. But if you don't feel comfortable dropping your bike off at the train station or you don't have the time to do that, once again, traveling with your bike flying in Asia is a very straightforward process and almost encouraged by the airlines. Just keep in mind that they follow the rules. If there's a rule, they're gonna end up, it's definitely, they take their rules seriously over there. And so that's just something to keep in mind when you are traveling with your bike. However, going to that, to that part of why we like to put our bikes on the train, and it was similar to that Mexico City story, uh, when you do go to these countries, like I mentioned, the SUVs end up getting a lot smaller. And also it's just, it, it kind of seems like, uh, like one issue we ran into in Thailand is every time we would order a, uh, a van, it, they call it grab van. So basically that's their Uber. We would order like the van, which is like these big Hayachi vans, which are these super cool vans that they only have in uh, Mexico and South America and then also Asia. They don't have them in the US. But envision like a Ford Transit is what it would be in the US. And we would order it and uh, every time the driver would come to pick us up, they would assume that we ordered this because we have like 17 passengers because these vans fit so many people. But I mean, it's only two passengers and we just figured we would use the rest of the space for the bikes that we have. And they would just make such a big deal of us having these four bikes. And it wasn't like, uh, like, Oh, absolutely not. It was more so we could tell they wanted us to pay more, uh, even though we already paid substantially more ordering a grab van, even though we only had two people. Uh, and yeah, it, it almost kind of seemed like they were always trying to get more money out of us, even though the, the, the rate is determined ahead of time. And yeah, it just, it always kind of ended up being a hassle. And then it would just kind of get awkward because it would be like, oh, they would just say like, your suitcase is so big, so big need more money, need more money. And it, it just ended up just getting really awkward. So like in order to alleviate that, we just, we definitely preferred to just drop it off at the train station, have a buddy drive us there, or just order one van as opposed to taking a van to the airport, then taking a van to the airport, to our hotel with the stuff. And yeah, it was just one of those situations that anytime that we can kind of alleviate that. But yeah, you do have to keep in mind that when you get to your destination, uh, the transportation aspect might be an issue and just keep that in mind, especially if you wanna fly with like, like I don't think we will ever, one time we went to Costa Rica and we took two bikes and then these surfboards, that was pushing it. I don't think we would really want to do a surf and mountain bike trip again, just because you you already have these big Evoc bike bags or Dakine bike bags, these big bike bags, and then you also have your like longboard. Definitely don't think we would ever fly uh, with our longboard if we were bringing bikes again. Maybe bring some shortboards, but it is one of those things that you kind of got to pick and choose what toys you end up bringing with you. And yeah, there's just been some some stuff that like. We're not, we don't feel too comfortable, even though we do have the ability to fly with four bikes on a lot of airlines. I don't feel like we really are that motivated to fly with four bikes anymore, just because once again, the transportation thing becomes a headache, uh, trying to find a ride from the airport to your hotels. And yeah, it's just one of those things that we, if we are gonna be in a country for more than one month, then yeah, we'll consider bringing four bikes again. However, just keep in mind that just because you can fly with certain things, uh, doesn't mean that it's gonna be all sunshines and daisies. And yeah, that transportation, as soon as you get to that place is gonna be a big issue and something you can kind of keep in mind. Something that we will be trying to do a lot more in 2023 is try to experiment with different bag options. Because like I was just telling you guys that uh, we have like, when we go with four bikes, it's normally two road bikes or two gravel bikes and two mountain bikes. I do feel like we can cut a substantial amount of size by putting those road or gravel bikes in smaller bike bags because those, the disassembly isn't really that much. And I feel like you can get those things pretty small. And that's where a bag like the Oru case bag actually does shine is arriving in your destinations and having a much smaller bag that has your bike into it. And that would definitely save us a lot of space as well when we get to these countries and we need to take a taxi or an SUV. Uh, because the, the Evoc bags, if you have one Evoc bag, that traditionally fits in a SUV pretty well, especially if you
that you can put the rear seats down and you can normally squeeze two into like a RAV4. Uh, any more than that, you're running out of space and that's where like a smaller bag would be helpful. There's that Oru case bag that I feel like we want to put a little bit more testing uh, and trying out uh, with our road or gravel bikes. There's another bike bag made by a brand, I believe it's called Scion is how it's pronounced. Uh, and we'll definitely follow up on our YouTube channel after we do some testing with these bags. That Scion bag definitely, it's almost half the size of an Evoc bag, which would make traveling with like two gravel bikes and our surfboards a little bit more realistic when we arrive in these destinations. So yeah, that's something we wanna do more in 2023. And we also just wanna to travel to more destinations, as should you. And hopefully this podcast gave you a little bit more motivation to fly with your bike. And hopefully our personal stories didn't scare you away. It is really one of those things that I feel like it's so much fear out there with flying with their bikes that doesn't necessarily should be there. It's not as expensive as you think it's gonna be. And also the reward of showing up to a destination and riding your own personal bike. There's nothing like it. And I honestly can't recommend it enough. We are here for you guys as well. So if you guys have any questions we didn't touch on in this podcast, definitely feel free to send us a message. Uh, also, you guys, this podcast is definitely something that we always want to kind of stay in touch with you guys. There's not really a comment section here. So definitely send us a message on Instagram if we didn't cover something in this podcast, or you can send us an email. It's awesomemtbtips at gmail.com. Or if you go in the description of the podcast, you could probably find our contact info there. Definitely reach out. We're happy to answer any of your questions. We also have that YouTube video out on flying with your bike. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you guys uh, have any recommendations for future topics, also send us a message because we're curious what you guys want to hear about. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. If you guys can just take a quick second and rate this podcast wherever you're listening, it will help out the podcast a ton. And we'll see you guys in the next episode, episode number two in the bag, episode number three coming up soon. Until next time, you guys, ride awesome. Phew.